if you listen to this, you may be supporting white casteism or caste supremacy or something, plus a bunch of other random stuff I'm going to talk about coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. So, of course, white boys are inherently evil from the moment they're born and the doctor spanks them on the bottom to get them to breathe. But I'm noticing some people on the left, like, you know, they want to expand the list. They want to get other people uh, just known as evil automatically. You almost might think, you know, saying that some group of people is evil would be bigoted or prejudiced or even racist. But, uh, of course, it's not. I mean, not if you go the right way. But the New York Times did an article the other day about far-right Latinas. And uh, Slate's What Next podcast had a thing about discrimination. Discrimination Against Dalits, D-A-L-I-T. That's the Untouchables. It's the lowest caste um, from India. And so the far-right Latinas are women politicians, you know, of, I guess, Mexican descent, trying to, they're running for the house, running for house seats in um, South Texas, like along the, I think they're all along the border. And one of them was in a special election for some reason, and so she already won, and she's in the House of Reps now. And then the other two, they have to win during the normal election coming up in November. Or, you know, or lose, whatever. Whatever happens to them, it's going to happen in November. And I guess these three far-right Latinas, they have kind of, they've all latched on to a similar, I don't know, campaign pillars. Which, number one, is the economy, which, you know, every politician should have that as a pillar. Number two is they don't want all these immigrants coming over so you know i think that's how you get called far right even though your your skin is brown and they also believe in god so that doesn't that doesn't help you be not far right either i think one of them said something like i stand for faith and family you get the idea and i've said before what i think far right should mean is that if you're on the right and you use violence to whatever try and get what you want then that's that should be the the um the threshold for being called far right. Like you have to do something violent. But anyways, that is not how people use it. You know, it's not how the New York Times uses it. The New York Times, you know, they reserve the word far right that they use all the freaking time. It just, you know, it just means someone they don't like. Like that neighbor whose dog barks all night. Uh, yeah, they're far right. And I heard a stat. I believe it was that there was like a hundred Hispanic people running as Republicans coming up in november but then there was 200 um running as democrats so you know it's not that it's not that hispanics are all are all voting republican or whatever but it's just in comparison to previous years they're getting a lot more republican and we won't know till november or you know or even for years to come but it's kind of looking like college educated whites and black people, that's going to be the Democrats, and then that's going to be, it's going to be them versus everyone else. If you don't have a college education, regardless of your race, you're not going to be a fan. If you're Asian or Hispanic, you ain't going to be a fan. We'll just see what happens. That's the trend. The trend looks like it's going that way, but it, it could easily change. So just keep an eye on it. So are you a castist? Well, I'm listening to this lady. She's talking about um, being a castist. She hasn't said casteism yet, but I guess you can, you know, there's casteism, systemic casteism, institutional casteism, structural casteism. Just wait, I think those terms are all coming. But apparently Google had some lady, hired some lady, I guess, to come give a talk about how 
being a cast, whatever, going, you know, being mean to people based on their cast is not good. And so she was going to do a speech like that at Google. And then, like, Google has a ton of, you know, South Asian, aka Indian people working there. And the workers are like, this lady's a Hindu phobe. That's a new word, too. But, uh,. Apparently she got attacked online. I mean, every time someone someone says they get attacked online, my inclination is to not believe them. Uh, you know, like some random person on Twitter saying they're going to kill you, right? It turns out it's just a 12-year-old boy, and he ain't going to kill you. And so turning that into a federal offense, uh, and like, you know, you need special privileges. Anyways, that's how I normally think about it. I don't know in this lady's case. Maybe, maybe, cat. you know, maybe these... Upper class, upper caste uh, Indians in America are so hardcore they might shoot you. I mean, I doubt it. But anyways, she went into hiding. She got herself a, she changed addresses and got herself a safe house. So at least in her mind, it was some real threats. So they basically don't speak out against the whatever. It's like the racist, you know, let's just use the word racism. It's like, don't speak out against the racist because they're so evil, they're going to come kill you. And she was saying these companies, you know, they got all these, they got a lot of, um, well, first off, America has laws, and these companies have rules and procedures put into place that are all about protecting people based on their race, their gender, their religion, probably a few other things, but they don't have no rules protecting you based on your caste. And so, you know, does America have enough fucks to give to start doing laws protecting people based on their caste? I mean, I doubt it. Like, woke people who wake up every day and are like, I gotta call 10 people racist. Um, they do not like to criticize brown people, so I don't think you can get them on board, and then I'm not sure what other group you would have doing it for you. All right, try and tell this story a little better. So this lady was going to give a speech at Google. A bunch of people, Indians, basically, you know, Indian immigrants, called her racist, and so Google stopped the speech. So basically, she was going in there with accusations of casteism, and then the, you know, the Indian employees were like, we see your accusation of casteism, and we raise you with a accusation of racism. And at least in America, accusations of racism will win the day. And then she mentions that, so the CEO of Google, right, the, Google was started by a couple of, I think, Russian Jews. I mean, God bless their souls. Like, their parents moved here. And then their kids made America so frickin' rich. I mean, they Google, I mean, whatever. Google has really improved America, no matter what you think. No matter how woke they are. But in any case, those guys got tired of running Google, and so they hired a Brahmin for the CEO job. You know, an Indian, Indian guy, probably, probably born here, I'm not sure. But, uh, and so now, so Google, what, Microsoft, Twitter, and I think a bunch of other um, giant tech companies have you know, South Asian Indian CEOs now. And so here's the thing I don't know. I, I only know the cast of one of them. I know, but apparently the Google CEO, he's a Brahmin. So he's the top one. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, Brahmins are inherently evil from the moment they're born. You know, they're the oppressor. You're, you're just, you're born an oppressor. The Dalit are born the oppressed, you know. Oppressors are obviously evil. Uh, oppressed people are obviously innocent it's not their fault but anyway anyways without knowing i would bet you i would bet you you know dollars to donuts no problemo that all the other tech ceos are of the brahmin caste also the delaware court of chancery
they're the ones who are going to be looking at the Elon Musk buying Twitter and then trying to back out of buying, pull out. Well, they've been calling it pulling out. There's been a lot of jokes because Elon Musk, I think he just had his 10th kid or something. It's like he doesn't know how to pull out. But anyways, on his Twitter deal, he's pulling out. And so Elon Musk, he says, you know, he sent a letter to Twitter. He said, I'm not buying Twitter anymore. I don't know if you heard. He was going to buy Twitter. And he said it's because you got too many fake accounts. But uh, in my opinion, that's just, you know, you just say what you got to say to get her done. But what really happened is that Elon Musk was about to buy Twitter. You know, his money is uh, Tesla stock. He's got, whatever, $200 billion plus of Tesla stock. And then Twitter was looking to be worth about $40 billion or something like that. And then there's, you know, this recession that no one is saying that we're in and the interest rates changed and blah, blah. Anyways, the stock market crashed. So the place where he's got his money kind of fell apart and the stock price of Twitter is kind of falling apart. So now it just doesn't look like such a fun deal to be buying Twitter. And so that's really why he wants to pull out. And so Twitter is suing him, saying he has to buy it at the price that he said he would buy it at, which is now way higher than what it's worth. Like basically, they want to, they want to, they want to bend him over a barrel and take his money. I mean, as you, you know, I bend anyone over, over a barrel and take their money if I could. And Elon Musk is like, "Oh, don't bend me over that barrel! Don't take my money! I've got ten mouths to feed." And so I think the options for the court case are like. You know, maybe the whole thing gets called off and no one has to pay anyone anything. Or maybe Elon, you know, probably will have to pay at least a billion dollars because that was kind of in the contract. If he pulls out, he'll give a billion. Or I think even more likely than that, he's going to have to pay more than a billion, but he probably won't have to buy the whole thing. And then possibly he'll have to buy the whole thing. And it's funky because he's borrowing the money. He's borrowing them. He's going to borrow the money. He hasn't borrowed the money yet from banks. So banks were gonna loan him the money to buy to buy Twitter, and it's like, can you force someone to to borrow money they haven't yet borrowed? I mean, it gets complicated, and we'll just wait and see what happens. Uh, and I didn't say exactly why, but I think I think he's up to ten kids now, because it turns out he had twins with I don't know a Tesla executive or SpaceX, anyways, some some executive woman that was underneath him in more ways than one. I think she may I think she may have carried those kids inside her own womb but he's like whatever he's he keeps like hiring surrogates to have kids for ex-girlfriends i mean i think he might be crazy and i think twitter suspended like their woke policies for a little while you know where it's like you know because normally twitter's like if you say that a man is not a woman then they'll kick you off of twitter but for a little while when elon was buying it they stopped enforcing that rule and you could say that a man is not a woman but I believe they've now gone back to the old rule, which is if, if you say a man is not a woman, you get kicked off of Twitter. Oh, right. Okay, getting back on the rails here. Uh, kind of the reason why I want to talk about this is I learned about the Delaware Court of Chancery. Just it's an interesting legal thing. And so America is based on English law from, from the United Kingdom. And apparently back in the day, they used to have two court systems. They had a, the equity court system and the law court system. And the law court system was like if you murdered someone and they threw you in prison. But the equity court system, it's not like equity today, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, 
mumbo jumbo. But it's equity, like if you think about like how much equity do you have in a company? Basically it was money. It was a money court. And so in America, I think, you know, maybe almost all the states combine the two things. I think it's in federal court. I don't know. Whatever. Don't quote me on this stuff. But basically, all across America, they just combine the two things. And so judges would be like sending someone to prison and then making a ruling about some company mergers or whatever. But a few of the oldest um, states, like back when they were colonies, like Delaware, New Jersey, a few other ones, they kept their systems separate. And so they got, so like Delaware, I guess, is the most famous one. It's like a teeny little state. I think Joe Biden comes from Delaware or he was a senator there. But in any case, they got their Delaware court system of chancery. Chancery, I don't know, must, it must mean dealing with money somehow. And so I think that's one reason why companies um, incorporate in Delaware. You know, like a California company will have their incorporation in Delaware. And it's because Delaware is just, they have a whole system set up to deal with companies. I mean, I think, you know, disputes with companies, but just probably just, any, you know, you know, making a company, changing your company, and disputes within companies. I was watching a YouTube video this morning about whether or not a cop can be personally sued for killing a man during a swatting. Like, I believe the cop's not going to go to jail or something, but they could maybe, the man who died, his family could take away the cop's money or something, and... The answer to that is we don't know. It's been, it's going up the court system and down the court system. It might head up to the Supreme Court. It might do something else. But it was just interesting because it reminded me. I think I heard of the swatting back in the day. So there was this 2017 swatting that I go over. It's kind of interesting. So if you don't know, swatting is where you make a phone call to the police and say that you know someone's killing someone. But you give them a different address. But basically, it's just you make a fake call. You make a fake call to the police, so you get the police to go to whatever address you provide, and you know who knows what happens. Basically, a SWAT team shows up to someone's house, and they don't know the SWAT team's coming. Uh, sometimes people get killed. It's very dangerous. And so, in this case, uh, this is in Kentucky. So a couple guys were playing a video game, and they got in an argument. And so one guy decided he wanted to swat the other guy, but he didn't do it himself. So he went, he went and talked to some, a, a whole nother person. He's like, Hey, could you make the call to get the cops go to this video game player that I hate's house? And this part, I don't know anything about, but so the video game, you know, the other guy, the somewhat innocent video game guy, he gave them a wrong address. He gave them the previous address. He had moved. He gave him, he gave them his previous address. So when they swatted it, they went to a house of a guy that didn't know, didn't know anything was going on, had nothing to do with it. And so this is a rural area. A whole bunch of cops, you know, show up, um, I guess, at this guy's property. Like, not his house, but his property. And so the guy comes out of his house going like, what are you, what's going on? And he moved his arms around while he was saying, what's going on? And so a cop shot him and killed him. And so for the cop, it's going to kind of, I think it's all on video, you know, it's going to come down to, like, exactly how did he move his arms, and did that look like he was pulling out a gun, or whatever. But then the guy who made the call to the cops, he got 20 years. And I think the guy who said, hey, go make a call to the cops, he got one year. I mean, that seems like too little to me, but anyways, that's just what happened. And I was looking at, like, the crimes that they were charged with, and basically there is... 
well, before this, or when this happened, there is no real crime to do that. It's like, you know, making a false report to a police officer or something, which is like a, you know, it's not a very serious crime. And so this is in Kentucky. In the state of Kentucky, they passed a law after this. It's like, you know, now you can, you know, you can get, a, I think, 10 to 41 years for calling it a fake thing to mess with someone now. But anyway, that's a new law. And then America nationally has not passed a law, so... I think some other states have passed laws, but basically, you might live in a state where, you know, swatting will only get you a few years, even if the person gets killed. Yeah, so if you've been thinking about doing some swatting on someone you don't like, uh, double-check your laws and, you know, do it quick, because it'll probably make it more illegal in the future. I saw this interesting headline where uh, 12 members of a church in Australia got charged with murder. And I guess that church, it believed in faith healing, like, you know, man-made medicine was of the devil or something. And so what you got to do is you got to pray. And for whatever reason, it's always the kids. It's always the kids that get killed. And so there was an eight-year-old girl, and she was a, had type 1 diabetes. And they withheld insulin, which is the cure for that, or whatever. The thing you got to take a little bit of every day. Or else you die. Anyways, so the eight-year-old girl died. And I think the parents, they got charged with murder. None of this is done yet. It's all still in the court system. But um, the parents got charged with murder right off the bat. But then they decided to charge all the rest of the other people. Like, you know, like for days, the whole group was like praying. Or, you know, basically a girl who's just like dying in front of you. This little eight-year-old girl is in a bed, probably dying in front of you, whatever. And so this church... Uh, yeah, the people, the members of this church were, you know, getting around her, holding hands, you know, praying to Jesus or whatever. And I guess it took six days for her to die. So they, they prayed over her for six days and then she was dead. And so I'm not a believer, but I think that uh, religion at least can be a positive force in the world. Like in particular, Christianity. Most Christians are, would not do something as crazy as these guys. But you know, like like you know, all my all my um, ancestors are Christians, at least as far back as I know. And you know, now I live in America, and I'm free to do what I want, and that's because they were Christians. Like your your mileage may vary on other religions. Uh, you know, if you're if you're in a country that's been Muslim a long time, uh, you may not be free to do what you want. I mean, you know, to put it bluntly, some religions are better than others. You can decide which are the better ones. But the story made me think of you know articles I heard in the past about you know, church groups doing faith healing and the kids dying. It's always the kids. And when I heard about it, anyways, so I'm from Oregon. I live in Oregon. And long story short, for whatever reason, there's a there's a church in Oregon that is really hardcore about faith healing. And they just have kids dying, like, all the time. And I looked it up on Wikipedia. I forget the numbers, but I think, I think like, in the last 20 years, this tr- this church has had, like, seven kids die. And it's always from something that if you just go to the hospital, they'll save you right there, right then and there, no problemo. And so it's not uh, ha-ha funny, but it's funny. Oregon is kind of like the, it's the capital of America of killing kids with faith healing. And I don't know if this caused it. I, I don't know. Anyways, but for a while there, they had, you know, on the books, the murder books uh, for laws, there was an exemption for faith healing. So, you know... If you killed someone, you were going down for murder, unless it was because of faith healing. 
But Oregon got tired of that and changed the law after a while. And yeah, now it's murder. I guess I just want to say the weird part is it's always the kids. Like, there must be a lot of adults who die anyways. I guess that's fine, right? The adult can decide. That must be why. If you're an adult and you say, I refuse treatment and I want all these people to, you know, get around me and pray for me, um, whatever, that's legal. You're an adult. And then I think, like, how many of me and my friends, you know, when we were kids, if somehow you would have never taken us to the hospital, how many of us would have died? Like, not too many of them. I had a friend who had a bad asthma. Maybe he would have died. I had another friend who got ran over by a car and really messed him up. Um... Maybe he would have died. I don't think these churches, I mean, if you get run over a car, I don't think they put you in a bed and pray over you. I think they do take you for the hospital for that stuff. It's more like, I don't know what, blood transfusions and whatever, in, you know, injections of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The TV show Tom Swift was canceled by the CW TV network. And it was kind of funny because, like, the tagline for the TV show was, Men want to be him, comma, or be with him. Which is take a takeoff on, I don't know if it's James Bond or something, which is like, men want to be him, women want to be with him. But if you do a gay version, then the men want to be you, and they want to fuck you. And I didn't watch any episodes, but you know, the star was a, I don't know, early 20s gay black man. And I think he went around doing kind of like super spy stuff. You know, I guess, whatever. Hooking up with gay gay guys and... I mean, I hope they I hope they did that. I bet they pussied out and he didn't hook up with anyone. But anyway, he should have been hooking up with gay guys. And then saving the world from, you know, mastermind criminals who... They're going to destroy the world unless you give them a million dollars or whatever. And it was part of something called the Drewverse, which I didn't know existed, but it makes sense. Because uh, the CW, whatever, that's like the, that's the also-ran TV show that you can actually get over the air. But they, they had a TV show called, or still do, called Nancy Drew. She's a girl detective. you probably heard of her. Anyways, apparently Nancy Drew was a good enough show that they're like, hey, we should make another show to go with it. And so that was the Tom Smith Sw- Swift show. And so, other than the f- funny tagline, and how they got a, whatever, and how it was so gay, and how it got canceled so quickly, yeah, I think it, it didn't make a full year. The thing is, is that I read Tom Swift books when I was a kid. It almost seems like they were older than Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boy books. I mean, the books that I got, you know, I think I got them from a garage sale or something, and they were old as hell. Like, they smelled like mildew, and they were a lot of fun to read when I was young. And it was about this, you know, young white boy named Tom, who was not gay. And for whatever reason, I think I think he maybe he was the inventor himself. You know, he's like a teenage inventor, and he was always inventing various things, and then those things would help him solve the mystery or save the day. And the other thing that was famous is they, uh, I think it was at the beginning of each chapter or something, they might have a little drawing, and then they'd have something called a Tom Swifty. It was kind of like a pun or a play on words. I was making one out. Something like, uh, we need to be more cautious, Tom said carefully. Or, we need to de- decrease our speed. We're going too fast, Tom said slowly. So I don't know exactly what year Tom Swift was super popular. It was probably 20s or maybe 1940s. 
But, uh, you know, woke people in Hollywood tried to turn it into a gay black thing and it totally fell flat on its face. So, haha, I enjoyed that. A Spice Girls song got stuck in my head the other day. I think my brain played it during a dream at night and then I woke up with it stuck in my head, which happens to me a lot with songs. But the song goes, um, If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Make it last forever. Friendship never ends. But so that part, it kind of made me want to do a little bit of, uh, you know, amateur evolutionary biology. And like, you know, I don't think any of the Spice Girls wrote those lyrics. And I don't think the person who wrote those lyrics you know, even really care. They're just doing stuff that rhymes. But it made me think of something, a difference between, like, men and women. Like, I'm a man. I'm, you know, I got some saggy titties because I'm fat. But anyways, I'm a man, and my best friends are men who... They were my best friends from about the age of 18 to 22. Like, if you were my best friend from 18, you know, in that in that little time period, then you you, you might very well be my best friend today. And friends before that and friends after that, uh, probably not so much. And also, like, the number of friends that I have is large. I really have a huge group of friends. And we're all friends. You know, it's like, you know, there's like maybe 20 of us or something. Depends on how you look at it. But let's say there's 20 of us. And so, you know, I got 19 friends. But, you know, the, some other person in the group, well, they got 19 friends also. But, you know, now, you know, most of your friends, they get married, they have kids, they have families. What about the wives? You know, does each wife have a group of 20 friends, you know, completely unrelated? Just, you know, whatever, 20 women that I don't even know. Like, does she have a group of 20 friends just the way, like, me and my buddies have a group of 20 friends? And, I mean, it kind of depends. It depends on the person. I mean, not every guy has a bunch of friends either, but... uh in general, I would say, no, the women do not have the same friend group that the men do. And then I would go even further and say, in general, women do not have friend groups the way that men do. So I want to try and figure this out from an evolution perspective. Um, I, just love the, I, I just love the evolution perspective on stuff. It's so often super sexist. Like, I oppose sexism, but... It's just funny when the truth is sexist also. And so first off, I mean, you know, men and women, dads and moms, they all love their children. That's obvious. I think maybe do they love them in a slightly different way or maybe the family, you know, do they view their family unit in a slightly different way? Well, because it's so easy for a man to have a kid. I mean, you know, the bare minimum that a man has to do have a, to have a kid is, well, hell, it takes five minutes. Whereas the bare minimum that a woman has to do to have a kid, uh... I mean, it takes nine months, and it goes on from there. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. It's I mean, the the you know the bare minimum. I mean, I'm not saying men do the bare minimum. Usually, they don't. But if you look at the absolute bare minimum to have a kid between men and women, women have to put in I don't know what a thousand times more effort. And so maybe they don't have as much time to stay being friends with all the other women that they grew up with. I mean, yeah, maybe right off the bat. There, there you go. You got less uh, time because you you got to you got to do something else. Let's try and imagine men back in the caveman days. Like you know, your friend. Why why does a man have friends in the caveman days? 
So you and your buddies, you know, if anyone comes to attack your village so you can kill them, and, you know, even better, like say you want to go attack some other village, you and your buddies can kill them. You know, basically, you have friends so you can get together and kill people. And so nowadays, like a small person with a gun can kill, who knows what, five large people if they want. But throughout history, it was basically, it was a numbers game. Until guns were invented, it was a numbers game. And so, you know, for the past 100,000 years, the best way to win a fight was to have a bunch of people attacking one person. Like if you and your 19 closest friends catch that one person alone that you want to kill, you can, you know, not only can you probably kill that person, you can probably do it without any of you and your buddies getting injured. And so as soon as you're considered a man, you know, I don't know, back in the day, 14 or whatever, uh, from that day, probably till the day you die, it is definitely useful to have a bunch of other male friends with which you can go kill whoever's causing a problem. And now let's look at it from the woman's side. Like imagine some caveman woman who's, whatever, who's really tight with all her female friends. You know, we're using 19 as the number here. Would it be useful for a woman, you know, she's, she's a mom now, she's got kids, she's got a caveman husband. Would it be useful to have 19 of your female friends from childhood hanging around? Probably not. One of them is probably the hot one, way hotter than you, and your husband might leave you, your, whatever, your, your caveman husband might leave you for her, so. And so I guess that's why I feel like all my guy friends, we've been friends forever and we never, uh, we never break up. We never get mad at each other and say, I never want to see you again, except for occasionally when someone fucks someone else's uh, wife. Whereas the women, they kind of... Their friends end up being the husband's friends. I guess there you go, there you go, ladies. Um, pick your husband wisely because his friends are about to be your friends. You're, you're picking more than one person when you do that. And I will say, it makes me think of a girlfriend I had. Um, whatever. We were not deep thinkers back in the day. But she said something like, the reason why I like, you know, the reason why I thought you were sexy when we first met was because I looked at your friends and they were all super cool. And it turned out that was not enough for a multi-decade stable relationship. So I think two of my top five intellectuals are uh, Coleman Hughes and Katie Herzog, and she's on his podcast, so I recommend anyone who doesn't already listen to them, check that out. But she's a lesbian, and she's talking about... Um, how, like you, know, like, you know, she'd have a group of friends who are all lesbians, and... Today they've had, you know, not all of them, but most of them have had like top surgery, you know, where you cut off your breasts. Um, they're on testosterone injections, and you know they call themselves men. It makes me think of this uh, woman, girl at the time that I grew up with. When we were teenagers, you know, smoking hot girl. All the guys liked her. Uh, she she just said it one time to me. She's like, I wish I was a boy. And just you know, it's very few things from. When I was 18 years old, that I remember that people said, but I always, I don't, know, I don't think I had any response to that. I was like, oh, interesting, but I never forgot when she said that. And so, I think girls, 
it sucks. I guess it sucks to be a girl. I don't know. And you want to be a boy? Like, if you're a girl, you look at boys, and you're like, man, the grass is greener on the boy side. And I will say, I never heard a boy say, I wish I was a girl. I mean, I definitely knew some boys who were gay, and they're like, well, you know what they like. But anyways, they didn't say they wanted to be a girl. It makes me think about sex, because, you know, women can have multiple orgasms, whereas pretty much men can only have one. But on the other hand, it's pretty easy for a man to have one, and it's more difficult for a woman to have an orgasm. So apparently, I mean, I don't know. The question is, is it better to have one easy orgasm or to have a whole bunch of difficult ones? Another thing they mentioned is, like, I think as recently as about 2012, like, Obama and Hillary both opposed gay marriage. So that's the left-wingers. So, you know, basically all of America opposed gay marriage up until, like, you know, it seems like five seconds ago. And then the Supreme Court made it legal, and then I think, you know, all the Democrats support it, and all the Republicans don't oppose it anymore. So, you know, basically all of America changed instantly. Being gay is just fine. But then there's all these activist groups who are, you know, fighting for gay marriage. You know, you, you might have been, you could have spent your whole life doing fundraising for in support of making gay marriage legal, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's kind of like the rug is pulled out from under you. Yeah, it's it's legal. Now what are you going to do? And the question is, you, you say, yay, I won. I'm going to quit my job. And then you're like, wait, what job am I going to get to replace that job? And so instead they switched over to uh, trans rights. Like, basically, you got to have an enemy. you got to have an enemy to fight. And so, you know, now it's like, yeah, we got to cut off the balls of 8-year-old boys or, you know, Men need to be able to compete in women's sports. And then they get some pushback, and they're like, sweet. Now, you know, there, there's the enemy that I can fight once again. Thank God. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but you get the idea. And Coleman mentions it may kind of be the same thing for civil rights. You know, like black-white equality stuff. Like, there's a whole bunch of organizations and movements and blah, blah that... Whatever. For a hundred years, they were fighting for equality for black people, and then... I mean, you know, there, there was no court case that decided it, but basically, I don't know, about 25 years ago, white people said, okay, fine, we're all equal. And then if you've been fighting for that stuff your whole life, you're not like, yay, I won, I'm going to go home. You're like, no, we're going to, I don't know what, f you know, find cops that killed black men with guns and say that that was unjustified. Makes me think of this video I saw recently. I wish I could remember the guy's name. But anyways, and I think in early July of 2022, uh, the cops shot a black man, and there was some protesting, and then there was some video of the protest. So if you want to see the video, look up something like uh, July Minneapolis police shooting black neighbor, something like that. But the reason why I saw it, I was I was on Twitter looking at whatever, and so the neighbor comes out. So basically, there was a group of protesters. It's all like middle-aged white people. Not a ton of them. Maybe, I don't know, 25 to 50 of them. And so the neighbor of the guy who got shot by the cops comes out and yells at them. And this is, it's like a Hispanic woman. It's a Hispanic woman who comes out and she's like, he shot into my apartment. He tried to kill me and my kids. Like, you know, I was cooking food. My kids are standing next to me and he shot into my apartment. However many times, like a bunch of times, you know, there's, you can find pictures of the, uh, 
the apartment with a whole bunch of holes through the apartment. Anyway, she didn't she didn't die, and neither did her kids. But it's just funny because it's all these middle-aged white people who are there. You know, you know, she's she's like, you shouldn't be protesting over this. You know, when the cops came and put him down, that was the right thing to do because he was trying to kill me. I mean, I, it's, it wasn't clear if he was trying to kill her personally or he was just shooting a bunch of bullets through her apartment. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was mentally ill, obviously. But she's yelling at the protesters, and the protesters are like, yeah, but you didn't die. They're like, you know, you should shut up. You should shut up. That was a black man who got killed by the cops. You should sit down and shut up. And it's just funny because, you know, she's Hispanic. She's got little kids. Her apartment is covered in bullet holes. And then it's just some middle-aged white person saying, yeah, you didn't die. You know, whatever. You should shut up. You should shut up because we came here to call the cops racist. And then the plot kind of thickens. I don't know. Anyways, you, you watch these news videos. They kind of put the, the different segments together. Anyways, and then the parents of the black guy who got shot go up there. And it turns out they're both white. I mean, I think he's adopted or something. And then they give a, they give a little bit of a speech for the news cameras. And they're like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry that our son shot, you know, 20 bullets through your apartment. Anyways, just like I'm going off the rails here talking about this podcast, uh, Black Lives Matter and their protests, they really just can't get their shit together. They got like, you know, black guys getting shot by cops, possibly black cops, and then they're shooting at Hispanic women, and then white people are rioting over it. I mean, not quite rioting, but they're thinking about it. They're thinking about rioting over it. It's like Black Lives Matter can just not get their shit together lately. Twitter handle at Anti Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.